0: Welcome to Market Scale Science. I'm your host, Sean Heath, and today I get to have another conversation with my friend Hunter Gabbard. Now, Hunter is a Ph.D. candidate at the University of Glasgow. He is also a part of the LIGO Scientific Collaboration, so this is about to get nerdy. Hunter, how are you today? I'm doing great, Sean. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. All right, so we're going to get right into it. I would go back into your history, but if anybody wants to know how you got where you are, they can go back and listen to a previous podcast. Because today we got serious stuff to talk about. Serious science. Serious science. Hawaii is currently experiencing a rather severe natural event. They're having some volcano issues.
1: Yeah, I've heard. I've seen that. It's on the news recently.
0: Yeah, and so one of the things that I noticed through the through the last week or so is they mentioned that there are two different types of volcanic uh, eruption events. There is the explosive lava flying everywhere, coming, falling down from the sky. But then there is the creeping rock. And that is where it just sort of bubbles out and expands at such a rate that it it literally looks like it's just creeping along the ground. This rock, mound of rock, just like the blob out of a horror movie or something. Yeah,
1: no, it's really it's really freaky. I've seen that. I've seen videos of this before.
0: The thing that makes that that made me think about you when I saw this, and not to insult you, I'm not saying destruction makes me think of you, but what made me think <laughs> of you was: is there a cosmological event that is creeping versus explosive? that we need to keep an eye out for?
1: Yeah. So, um, I I think maybe what you're, what you're alluding to, um, is it perhaps uh, dark energy? Is that sort of what you're you're getting at the the expansion rate of the universe? Yeah,
0: exactly. That's what. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about because you know we've talked about the discovery of gravity waves, and we talked about last week the speed and amplitude and frequency and and wavelength of gravity waves, and do they pick up speed? And uh, my question is, if that's relatively mm. constant, are we at the same time at not at risk, but is there the possibility of a cosmological event that is a slow-moving one that you need to make sure you keep an eye on? Um, well, I mean, I think
1: let me see. So, is is there a cosmological event that slowly? Um, yeah. So, I think I think what you should at least keep an eye on is is the rate of expansion of the universe because um, that's that's really it's really really important to understand sort of how it all ends and, and how it all began. Um, so yeah, cause there's, there's basically three different competing theories. Um, and I guess to sort of understand them, you have to understand kind of how the, how all of it began. Um, so I guess we can go, go back in time about like 13.6 billion years ago, I think is, uh, it's about 13.6 billion years ago. There's something we call the big bang, which has uh, been, been theorized and, uh, is pretty, we, we think it's pretty accurate. Um, but, uh, yeah. And then, so after, after the big bang, there was like it, from, from nothing, everything just came about and existed. Um, and ever since then the universe has been expanding. Um, and for, for the longest time, people, people sort of thought we were in this like sort of static universe where, where everything is sort of standing still. Um, but uh, not too long ago. I don't, I don't remember when. Um, but, uh, I think it was the 1920s, 1930s. Uh, they discovered that, uh, that actually if you if you look at the galaxies um uh further out you can see that they're they're actually kind of like sort of red shifted um they're tinted red um which basically means that they're sort of receding away from us um and then there's a few that are blue shifted which which means they're sort of coming towards us but that's only because they're in our local sort of galaxy sort of region uh, but we saw that they were Going away from us, I'm like, wait, hey, that's kind of weird. So we saw that okay, maybe the universe is expanding. Um, but even even crazier was that recently we've we've also noticed that the universe is accelerating, in its and its expansion, um, which is kind of kind of interesting. And you look at and if you go if you go further and further out from where we are, if you look further and further back into time. Basically, you see that uh, things are, are accelerating from away from us. Even faster than, than, than things that are closer to us. So it seems that the further away you go from where we are, the, um, the faster things are, are expanding. Um, so yeah, that's, that's sort of, and you have to definitely keep an eye on that because it basically determines how
0: the, how the universe ends. Okay, let's talk about acceleration. As I understand the laws of physics, in order to increase the speed of something, you would have to increase the amount of energy propelling that or increase the amount of energy attracting that. What are we attributing the acceleration to? What's making things speed up in their expansion? Is it pushing away or is it pulling? Or is it the fact that we're just figuring out a more accurate way of measuring what we previously thought was static. It's really, it's really hard to say um, what's uh, causing the
1: expansion. And I, actually, I say it's really hard to say. Uh, we don't, we don't know for sure uh, what's causing it. And um, what what we do is when we don't know something, is we we just call it dark something. So we we call this dark energy, um, which actually makes up about seventy five percent or so of the whole universe. Right? Um, there is about 25% into something called dark matter, which we also don't know what that is, um, and then the other 5% or so is, is what we call baryonic matter, which is just a fancy uh, term for saying normal matter. But I don't know if we should really call it normal, since you know 95% of the rest of the universe is, is other stuff. But uh, yeah, dark energy is—we is don't know what it is. We don't know what causes it. Um, but yeah, what we do know is that it's—it's basically—it's—it's not—it's not that it's—it's it's moving things away from us. It's, a, it's a, that, it's that, that space time itself, the fabric of space time is, is itself expanding and, and the galaxies and all the other matter along this, this in space time is just, are, are just sort of going along for the ride. It's like, uh, if you imagine like, um, you're, you're, you have like a, a bowling ball or something on a, or, or a few marbles on a rubber tarp and you just stretch out that tarp. The bowling balls are just kind of going to go along with, are going to get further and further away from each other. And the tarps to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, you can imagine, like, the, the marbles are, like, the galaxies and the tarp is, like, space-time. Um, but, yeah, it's weird. And then there's – the other thing is – the other thing that makes up, like, 25% of the known universe is uh, is dark matter, <laughs> which, uh, again, we don't know really what it is. Um, some people have – there are some theories out there, but the its main function is to sort of keep everything together. Um, and the reason we know it exists is because um, if you look at, like, um, how fast – Galaxies are, are are spinning and rotating around. What you see um, is something strange. Uh, you see that like the galaxies themselves are are spinning far far faster um, than they really should be, um, and there's just not enough matter, no enough normal matter that we see in those galaxies to to tell us that that says you know <laughs> that that's, that's that's keeping it all together. Um, what you should what should be happening is they're spinning so fast that everything should just sort of fly off. Um, but but yeah, there's some other extra matter that's keeping it all together, and uh, there are other sort of uh, interesting uh, things that we think might might indicate that there's dark matter um, out there or or what some potential sources of dark matter. But um, it could be that there's weakly interacting particles um that are really really heavy that just don't interact with anything so we don't really notice them they don't clump together um maybe that's a potential source of dark matter uh perhaps like uh primordial black holes which are black holes from the very beginning of of the universe that are just sort of flying around out there but we we probably don't think that's probably not it um because there need to be we would probably see some indications of this because you need a lot of black holes in order to account for all this extra mass and you know, it's pretty likely that you'd see some sort of gravitational effects from from all these extra black holes flying around. So, yeah, we don't really know. There are some good theories out there. But, uh, I mean, the next person that can figure that out, I mean, you get you get another prize. So I would uh, – can go at it. Go at it, Sean, and <laughs> give it a go. I don't know.
0: <laughs> well, when we talk about – and when we talk about an expanding universe, we're not talking about in a single plane. We're talking about in all directions, in all times. Yes. Yeah at every moment right right so so as is there a possibility i guess that as the universe expands and the space-time continuum tarp Mm. which is the example we're going to use right now as that stretches is there a chance it gets to its limit of elasticity and then that's when it contracts i i don't i don't think so i don't i don't know if there's like a limit to that um
1: yeah, it's. Um, hmm. I never really thought about it. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't think there's a, a limit to how elastic it could be. Perhaps there is. I don't. I don't really know. That's a good question. Um, but in order to get it to to sort of to stop the expansion, um, I think what you need is a lot of mass to sort of overcome this whatever is causing the expansion. You need a lot of mass in order to counteract that. Um, and so there are some theories that say, oh, there's enough out there to to stop this. There's enough dark matter. There's enough baryonic matter to stop this expansion. And, uh, and then what could, there could be two possible scenarios if you have enough matter to do that. What could happen is it just sort of, it, it, it expands, 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 and it sort of slows down exponentially over time. And then eventually it just sort of stops and it's static, the expansion rate. And there's just a fixed size of the universe at that point. The other alternative is that, it could be a lot of mass, a lot more than is needed. And what will happen is it'll start, exp- it'll it'll keep expanding and then it'll slow down, slow down, slow down, and then it'll start contracting again. And it'll keep coming back in. It'll sort of, and everything will sort of come together and uh, it'll get denser and denser and denser and hotter and hotter and hotter until finally you have this, we call it like the big crunch where everything's just sort of everything in the universe, all the matter and stuff just whoosh, comes right back together. And um, you know, who knows what happens after that. But uh, so and, and the other alternative is that there's just not enough mass and everything just keeps expanding and expanding to the point at which, like, if you're uh, in, in our galaxy, the Milky Way, you know, billions and billions and billions of years from now when this is actually relevant, um, you there will be no other galaxies in the sky. They will have all receded away from us. And it'll just be a black, inky sky around and uh, just the Milky Way galaxy. And perhaps there'll be enough, there's enough, like, matter and the, and the galaxy to sort of keep us all together alternatively it could just be that the expansion rate gets even quicker and then like solar systems start flying off the, gal- the Milky Way galaxy gets like sort of ripped apart and eventually it's just our solar system and then matters like atoms start getting ripped apart um and it's just a really it's a really
0: nasty ending uh, but i think either is probably a really nasty ending well that's an optimistic way to look at it hey um so let's let's I want to take a step to a side just for a second, because all of the measurements that we are talking about, expansion and speed and all of these concepts that are physical laws, as we know them, they all require a center point of reference. Do we currently calculate all of our cosmological measurements with their perspective to earth as the static point that we measure it from
1: well so when you're thinking about like the um the uh so one thing you can sort of use as a reference is say like the speed of light right so the speed of light is is it was one constant that you can just sort of use as a as a reference it's it's like something like i, I keep forgetting what uh, what a more human uh, readable uh um uh way of describing the speed of light but it's like three times 10 to the eighth meters per second squared, which is like three with like eight zeros to the end of it, meters per second. Uh, and uh, sorry, meters per second squared. That's like the, the, so it's like just, it's, it's an, it's, it's a really crazy number, but yeah. So that's one thing that you may use as, as a reference um, in terms of like the expansion rate. Uh, it's easy to sort of think about like everything's sort of expanding away from us from just our point of view, but it's actually, it's kind of, you have to think of it more like a, like a, like a, um, a, a raisin, uh, bread sort of scenario where like, say you have, like, you're trying to cook some, bake some raisin bread. Um, why you do this? I don't know. Cause I don't really like raisin bread uh, personally, but, uh, so you're like cooking, you're baking a raisin bread. And like, you can imagine the raisins are like the the galaxies or something. And the bread itself is like space time. It's, it's that like, as the bread gets bigger and bigger and bigger the raisins themselves start to get further apart from each other but they're not actually there is no like center of the of the raisin bread so, so same as like there's no there's no real center of, of the universe it's just it's just sort of there it's um
0: it's uh yeah it's really really hard to Imagine, yeah. Could you extrapolate though? If you mm-hmm. can measure the rate of expansion of an object, mm-hmm. couldn't you reverse that calculation to gauge the rate of the contraction in order mm-hmm. to calculate where the actual center of all of these expansive objects originated? Yeah, so
1: that's a really good question. Um, and yeah, I really, I really like the question. So it's like, um, so the thing is that um, uh, when so when when the when the universe began and in, in the Big Bang, there wasn't like there wasn't a point at which like space time began. It was that there was there was basically nothing, and then there was space and time. So what that means is that before that there, there was no like concept of time or space. It, it just didn't exist, and then all of a sudden the concept of like time and space sort of came into into being, all at once. Um, So there was, there was, there really was no point at which it started. It just, it just began. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, uh, and it's a really, really mind boggling thing to try to uh, try to imagine. I've never really, I've thought of a good way to try to picture it. Um, I think the the best way I can come with it is the raisin bread example. It's, it's that like, there is
0: really, yeah, it's hard, it's hard to explain. It really is. But, uh, well, if we could do the calculations in reverse, for example, you could track those raisins back to the specific vine where it was a grape theoretically,
1: sure, yeah, but you have to like sort of also um you have to think four dimensionally uh too so it's like um it's it's really hard to make the like the analogy like in in the case of like a a raisin with like a stem where it's like basically kind of like a two dimensional sort of Sort of analogy, it's, it's a bit, it's a bit like more difficult when you start thinking about like all these extra dimensions and, and whatnot. And, um, and uh, yeah, but you can, you can look further back. Like the closest we can look back towards the beginning is something called the uh, cosmic uh, microwave background radiation. Um, and that, that was actually that was found by like some guys I think that were uh, working at um bell labs or, or something and they were they were using like some radio array and what they saw is like these weird when they looked up at the sky they saw these like um spots of like activity in the sky and they thought this was kind of weird um and it ended up being like the basically the afterglow of the big bang so some like few hundred thousand uh years uh after the after the beginning of a uh, space and time itself and um but that's about, I think, as far back as we can really look. Um, it's possible that you could, so using, say, gravitational waves from the very beginning of like space uh, near the near the near the Big Bang, bang um, you could you could use gravitational waves made to look a little further back than you could using the cosmic microwave background radiation. Um, how far back I don't I don't quite remember, but it is like when when space and time sort of began, there was these like these sort of um, Uh, there, 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 there are these sorts of ripples, these gravitational wave ripples from like, uh, from, from that expansion phase. Um, so yeah,
0: it'd be kind of cool if you could, if you could do that, it'd be really, really difficult, but, uh, people are looking at this right now. So we're talking about expansion. I want to flip the script a little bit and talk about convergence. Let's move in a different direction. We're coming up on the one year anniversary Mm -hmm. of the first detection of a black hole merger, which black hole wins in a merge does the larger black hole that's less dense pull the smaller black hole towards it or does the smaller black hole have a stronger like there has to be some sort of equilibrium but ultimately one of them is stronger gravitationally than the other right but she, she, you're right there's like a
1: greater like gravitational pull um and that's it's entirely like a lot of it's just mostly dependent upon like mass so how how big is like the how much mass does like the each each object have, so one's have kind of a bigger gravitational pull than the other. Um, but it's not so one like common. Um, I guess well no, I don't know if it's a misconception, but it's that you know things black black holes suck things in. And it's not not that they don't they don't necessarily suck things in. It's like um, they're like wells. It's like too – to yeah. It's really, it's really hard to explain. Um, but they don't necessarily suck things in. Uh, and what happened? And, neither, and when you ask, like, uh, does does one win or over the other? Well, I think I think neither really wins. Uh, it's it's kind of a it's it's not a not a very fun game. Um, but uh, essentially, what happens is they just they just they just merge into into one super ma- one one more massive black hole. Um, and if you just add up the masses of the two, it, it basically it almost equates how how big the the final black hole is going to be. But what you'll notice um, when you add them, when you, when you look at the final mass, of the, of the merged of the two merged black holes in this larger black hole, you'll see that there's a tiny bit of like extra mass that's missing, like a few, like sun's worth of mass missing. Um, and where that goes is actually in, in the form of these, these ripples in space time that it sort of produces when these things are stirring around each other, um, called gravitational waves. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't, yeah. So I think, uh, I, I don't think either wins. <laughs>
0: nope. <laughs> well, as always, I feel smarter than I did when we started this, which is, that's a big win for me. I don't know if you feel any smarter, but I definitely do. So I'm going to call that a win in this contest. Oh
1: yeah. I think, I think we've, uh, yeah, it was, uh, that was great. <laughs>
0: Now one thing that we haven't done, and I wanna I wanna mm. point everybody, if you have an opportunity to go to www.ligo.org, www.ligo, And Hunter and I talk about all these interesting things. There's a whole bunch of information mm. on the Ligo.org webpage if you want to get a little more nerdy even than we did. And if you want to actively sort of be involved in the listening. Hunter and I talked last week about is there a way to listen and determine what some of the other noise is in mm-hmm. all of the noise that we're picking up from the universe. And people have a chance to be a part of that through something called Gravity Spy. Right. And there's a link to that on the LIGO page. So go and check that out because there might be a quiz. Oh, oh, and prizes. Lots of prizes. We have we have so many free pencils, don't we? Right? Oh, yeah. I think so. I think we do have some of those. Oh, I, think, I think we can get some. Actually, uh, you know, one of my favorite stories about human travel into space is the space pen development story. Are you familiar with that?
1: Oh, I, I vaguely remember this. What, uh, can you remind me? I don't.
0: NASA spends all of this time and money designing an ink pen that can write in outer space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Russian cosmonauts, just took a pencil. That's right. Yeah, I forgot. I forgot about that. Yeah.
1: Oh man. I think. Yeah. You know, it's it's, it's like the Occam's razor thing, right? It's uh, I think simpler Occam's, is pencil. Occam's pencil. Occam's <laughs> pencil. Yeah, that's great. <laughs>
0: Well, today I've had the pleasure of talking to my friend Hunter Gabbard. He's a PhD candidate at the University of Glasgow and a member of the LIGO Scientific Collaboration. Hunter, as always, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate it, and I look forward to talking to you again. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com slash industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the MarketScale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries.